Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Safe and Empowered podcast. I'm Jess Macbeth, a consultant with SWGFL, partner in the UK Safer Internet Centre. Today, I'm joined by Abdullah Khan, who is an ethical hacker. We're talking cyber, hacking, and maybe a bit about jobs as well. Welcome, everybody. Hello, Abdullah. Hello, Jess. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for joining us. Now, it would be helpful, I think, for everybody if you could explain a bit about who you are and your role. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm, I am a senior ethical hacking lead at BRIM, which is the Business Resilience International Management. Um, do you want me to give a wee background of myself? Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, in terms of education and work, um, I've got honours in computing with AI back in the day when AI was uh, just starting off. Uh, I then worked for a while and ran a few businesses. And then I returned back as a mature student, I should say a very mature student, back to education where I did a master's in ethical hacking cybersecurity at Aberdeen. I didn't know that you did AI. When did you do it? Where did you do it? I did a computing and AI in uh, Caledonian University, well, Glasgow Caledonian University, and I graduated in 2005. Oh, right. I did linguistics and AI. <laughs> But I graduated, oh, this sounds so terrible, 1998. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Right, we'll move swiftly on, right? <laughs> so nobody knows how old we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Oh, dear. Anyway, right, moving swiftly on. Uh, so let's let's go to our first question, because I always like to have a bit of a chatty question to get started, right? Have you ever been hacked? Jess, have you ever been hacked? Yeah, you, I've been hacked. I'm not I'm not asking me, I'm asking you. Have you ever been hacked? I'll tell you about me in a minute. Okay, uh, it depends what you consider to be hacked. If your account, if, if you think my account credentials, such as my username and password, has been out there in the wild due to a breach of an organisation's database, then yeah, probably like many other oh, people. Oh, that's going to be everybody, yeah. yeah. But if you mean somebody taking control of my device, I would say no. Uh, but that's not to say that it cannot happen because cyber is one of those sectors that we where we only say it's not a case of if, but it's about when. And can you imagine saying that about any other criminal activity? Like, for example, could you imagine saying that about being stabbed? It's, you wouldn't accept the when aspect then. So why do we do it for cyber? Why do we do it for cyber? Well... <laughs> That, that is a good question. And I think we need to build up our resilience to cyber attacks because we look at securing our devices, but do we have any sort of resilience if we were ever attacked? What do we do? Like, do you know, I, uh, I was just going to say, like, that's a really common theme in the online safety stuff that we do is this idea that there's so much focus on don't let something happen. We don't give an awful lot of advice of, well, what if it did? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they need to do more of. Yeah, like a simple example being if you were ever hit with ransomware on your computer, 
would it be a, such a big deal if you had recent backups that were offline? Would it really matter if you were hit with ransomware? Not really, because you could, if it was a personal computer, you could just reinstall your operating system and put your files back on. Yeah. Yeah. So you were asking, you're asking me if I've ever been hacked. I don't know if I've told my hacking story on the podcast. So all that happened, it was quite lucky, actually. So I, sometimes I don't sleep well. I woke up about 4.30 in the morning. And as you do, I reached for the phone, right? Not following any of the advice that you give to anybody. There's me with my phone. Picked up the phone, looked at Twitter, and somehow saw that I had tweeted something. And I thought, what? I don't remember tweeting. What is that? And it was just a link, you know, some random link to something. And then I went and looked at my profile and I tweeted something, you know, on the hour, every hour for the for the past four. So basically since midnight. And I thought, ah, oh, no, that wasn't me. So that, yeah, so somebody else got in because I did the thing. Well, I did actually have a unique password for Twitter. You know, I wasn't sharing passwords, but it was a guessable password. I didn't have two-factor authentication on, anything like that. So, of course, I went and quickly deleted the tweets, went in, changed my password, set up um, multi-factor authentication, and basically then tried to get back to sleep. Um, but it worried me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It can be a worrying thing because then you wonder what other accounts have been uh, targeted. Uh, and if you keep – I have came across many people who keep the same password for multiple mm -hmm. accounts. And there's a big no-no because if somebody gets access to one account, they can access many others of yours. Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? Sharing passwords. It's a good idea to use password manager. But anyway, listen, we're getting too much into the detail here. Yeah. Tell, right, what is an ethical hacker? Because that you know that we hear that term. Uh, what is it? What does it mean? Sounds like the good guys. What I would like everybody to understand is it, hackers are not what they see in films. Hacking doesn't happen in the space of 20 seconds in a countdown. Just Let's just break that myth completely. Uh, we do wear hoodies just probably because of the places that we work. Um, it's the servers are probably a cold room, so you'll want to wear a hoodie just to stay warm. But um, an ethical hacker is somebody that does legal hacking to a system uh what i mean by legal hacking is that we have written permission from an individual or an organization whose it system it is and uh, there is a scope that's predefined when we uh, talk to the client and the ethical hacker has to stay within that boundary so they cannot test something that's maybe a, in a different location or a different ip address even though it's part of the organization but if it's not within scope you, you cannot touch it though you can advise the client to say you might want to get this looked at and redefine the scope yeah so it's basically doing it under instruction where you've yes. been given permission to do um because you're testing the system does it does it include the people side as well then you know like um somebody trying to get past somebody at reception and all that kind of stuff yeah, you've got social engineering um, and uh, a lot of the red teamers, uh, the rock stars of the world. Of our, the red uh, team. Our, yeah. oh, I want to be in the red team. We all. <laughs> <laughs> or do we? <laughs> um, and um, like some of my colleagues um, are red teamers and they're phenomenal. The so, what is, so what is the red team? Basically, they get to do, um, there's different styles of, uh, ethical hacking you have vulnerability assessments which you can tell if a system is vulnerable but you do not exploit it 
Mm-hmm. And then you've got penetration testers who do exploit the vulnerabilities and take it that next stage forward. And then you've got red teamers who go all out blazing, who will do these social engineering. And it's not just about the system. It's about the weakest link as well, which can be the humans. So yeah. social engineering. cool stuff. That's what you'll yeah. see in the movies, right, as well. As well as the as well as guessing that the password is a picture of their son or something, <laughs> you know, that seems to always happen in the films. Um, yeah, a bit of social engineering. Oh, that's cool. You get people who walk into buildings and with a high vis ja- jacket and a ladder on their shoulder and a clipboard, and then walking out with uh, somebody's server, just, and nobody wow. questions them because they've got a high vis jacket on. God, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? Now, listen. The reason I invited you to come and chat on the podcast is because we did a presentation together recently yes for cyber scotland week um we did i can't remember what the name of it was a digital footprint didn't we so um now you did a case study live thing uh and i did the how do you clean up your reputation think about how you are online but let's talk about tell me about what you what you were tasked to do for the presentation i was tasked to do OSINT on a target. Now, OSINT is open source intelligence. Now, open source intelligence is an intelligence gathering technique. It's not something new. It's uh, it's just implemented differently now. Back in the good old days when we didn't have the internet, um, we did intelligence gathering with OSINT through newspaper articles, obituaries, census records. It was long, laborious. Nowadays, we've got the internet and social media gives us a lot of info on our target very quickly. Um, so social media is one way that we do um, open source intelligence, OSINT, and uh, it's basically building a profile about a person and seeing what sort of information you can get. It's, again, I say a person, it can also be an organisation as well. You can see how much of a digital footprint the organisation has, the staff, what they're putting out there. Is it Does it make the organisation vulnerable, such as they post pictures of badge day or a set of keys um because i have seen um, why some... would people why would people post pictures of their corporate badges because they're proud of that they've uh, that they're working at an organization and uh, they've just got a new badge oh you see pride always yeah. comes back to these same things you know the emotions the motivations the drivers sorry interrupted you right anyway we had a mark didn't we a target we had a person that agreed that yeah. you could do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, the person agreed uh, that uh, I don't know if they <laughs> if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but um, we went out and uh, we, uh, I did uh, open source intelligence on the target and was able to find out uh, quite a bit of information. Uh, our target had already uh, had a very conscious and very small digital footprint, so they weren't putting out much. But again, we were still able to glean a lot of information. Um, and uh, it was interesting. How did you think it went? I thought it went well. You're right. The person that we picked was um, somebody who was quite senior in an organisation and had, you know, had a fairly, as you say, limited digital um, footprint with good reason. So so essentially they weren't your kind of Joe average, average Joe, whatever, um, um, but nonetheless... Right. Nonetheless, um, I think our present. Well, I remember. I remember somebody writing "Wow" in the in the chat box. <laughs> not that you were able to find out. You know, it's just not like you were finding out their shoe size and stuff like that. And it wasn't you know, it wasn't to the kind of nth. Um, but you went through social media, 
I mean, yeah. What did you right? You'll tell. You can tell us all what you do, what you did in a minute. But this was the bits that that came out to me were, and it just reinforces it all again. It's not just about what you put online and how you are online. You were able to go and look at social media profiles of the children, the other, you know, other relations. You were able to work out things like maiden name, uh, marriage date. Um, you could precisely um, locate where the target lived. You know, these things are, you know, in and of themselves, perhaps innocuous. But the, but what we did in the presentation was, with all of your info, we put all of that together and then we asked the so what question. And it's the so what question that was a bit frightening, right, about what you can actually do with that. But let's talk about that in a minute. So tell me some of the things that you did in the, you know, when you were doing your OSINT. Well, um, obviously, we start off with the target. Um, all we were told was where the target works and the position they held. And then from there, I was able to glean their name, um, find out their social media accounts. Um, I, from the social medias, I was able to identify the birth. I was able to identify um, through other means where else they worked. Um, and again, OSINT is not um, 100% accurate, but with the bits of intelligence that you get, it narrows down and makes your um, your your guess more an educated guess. So you can kind of triangulate it. Like, oh, you yeah. think they probably live here or work here or something, but then you can go and find something else that will kind of corroborate yeah. that. Well, that's the thing. Um, I had uh, a few addresses and um, through pictures that were posted online, I was able to narrow down on the area of uh, their residence and which kind of just located to one residence. Um, I don't want to say too much, right, because uh, I'll end up splitting something out that I shouldn't. <laughs> it's amazing what pictures will tell you, right? That's, yes. that's probably the thing to take yeah. away from this. Uh, um, yeah. I've actually recently learned how to tell, because when you post pictures online, it strips the metadata from a picture. Which is good. Yeah, metadata is basically the information behind the picture, such as the date, the time of when the picture was taken, the location, like the coordinates of when it was taken, what phone it was taken with. That gets stripped. But I have just recently found out a way to, um, uh, by using somebody's shadow, learn what date and time a photo was taken. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so cool. So using somebody as a sundial, I was able to work that out, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So that'll you, looked at, you looked at things like Have I Been Pwned as well? Yes. Uh, I would recommend everybody have a look at Have I Been Pwned on their own email addresses that they use to find out if any of their accounts have been breached and um, if they have been, they need to look at um, uh, changing their passwords to a stronger password. Yeah. So have I been pwned is have, it's the website is have I been pwned and pwned is spelt P-W-N-E-D. Yeah. Have I been pwned.com? I think it is, is it? .com? Yeah. Um, so basically they search, it's Troy Hunt, is it Troy Hunt? That searches the dark web for databases of breaches for sale so that you can go and put your email address in and it'll come back and say, yes, you were in the Dropbox breach of whenever. Go and change all your passwords. Okay, so we, yeah, you did all that wonderful stuff. And then we concluded it with what could we do with all of that information? I mean, we reckoned we had enough to do, 
identity theft, did we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Easy. Yeah, it's not yeah. difficult. Um, okay. Also, we were able to identify when somebody goes on holiday. This is one thing that you shouldn't do is post pictures while on holiday because it lets um, other people know that your house is empty. And uh, again, if you know somebody's address, it doesn't take much. And uh, again, uh, I think insurance companies, some insurance companies uh, now have a policy, a clause in their policy that says, if you post anything on social media, your insurance is null and void because basically you're advertising nobody's home. That insurance thing really landed. There was yeah. loads on Twitter about that. <laughs> People asking, were all nervous about their insurance. Yeah, they were um, asking. Rightly so. we're, like, we're not insurance brokers. I don't know. I don't know if your insurance will cover you. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. So we, we talked about that and we talked about that. And we also, what was the other one? The, the, the big one was kind of, Everything else that you could do. I mean, I talked a bit about how you could be targeted, maybe. You know, if somebody wanted to know, if they wanted to track you across the web, you know, the really darker side of sort of surveillance and and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty pretty unpleasant. Because there's also the account takeovers, because if when you forget a password and uh, you, put in, you find somebody's email address and you put that in and you click on forget password, it will ask you a security question. Now, is that security question, what is my mother's maiden name or what is my pet's name? Do you think that's going to be really difficult to find out? No. Nope. No. And actually, you know, because that's what happened to me, of course, with the with the Twitter, <clears throat> I was lucky that I could log back in because when it first, when I first realized it, I thought perhaps I'd been locked out of my account. You know, if somebody got in with the password, then changed the password and I had no other settings on there. I don't know how quickly Twitter might have been able to sort that for for me, but, you know, it just brought in all that. It's that thing of your heart sinking, isn't it? And it would be at that point you think, oh, I would have been better to put the, the work in in advance. So, um, okay. So do you know what? We've been talking about all of this. We haven't been talking about educating. What do we need to, <laughs> what do, we need to do with young people? What do they need to learn? Um, now, you, of course, have been doing mountains of interviews of university-level students coming into um, some work that BRIM are facilitating, right? Yeah. <clears throat> what we're looking to do at BRIM is set up 10 cyber resilience centres across England and Wales. And these centres, are main aim is to support SMEs um, with impartial cyber advice. And uh, the way we support them is we also have eight services that students can do to let the organize let the SMEs know of their cyber posture and how secure they are, and uh, we've been I've been busy doing interviews um, with students from universities across England and Wales um, to onboard them, and uh, it's universities that have a focus on cyber security and really it's, it's been interesting uh, the students the their mindset how it works it's been phenomenal. In what in good in a good way? Yeah, yeah, very much in a good way. Um, it's just uh, again the we can see students. What this program is going to do is give them that experience because obviously there's a difference between learning theory and labs, and there's a difference between learning labs and doing real world projects. And this is what we are aiming to do: is help them with the real life. Um, real world projects and give them that experience as well as helping SMEs um, improve their cyber posture. Is there anything that you think educators should know 
about supporting young people, either in terms of teaching them cybersecurity or in terms of helping them, you know, preparing them and having the right skill set or the right attitude if they want to get a career in cybersecurity? See, to become, to get, to be involved in cybersecurity, especially as an ethical hacker, I think there's kind of three things that need to be encouraged and uh, three qualities you really need to have. You need to have patience, you need to have determination, and you need to have a willingness to learn. Those, I think, are important. Patience and determination go hand in hand because you can be sitting, working away on an, if you're a penetration tester, you're working away and trying to get access into the system, which doesn't happen, as I say, like in the movies where it takes you 20 seconds. And, and, <laughs> it and, doesn't. And, you know, <laughs> there's attackers that can get into a system and exfiltrate data, data over months. Um, so, and again, the willingness to learn is, even if you understand everything there is about cybersecurity today, which is highly unlikely anybody is at that point. But you might specialise in something. But say, for example, if you know everything there is about cybersecurity today, there's a new exploit or a new vulnerability around the corner tomorrow. So you need to learn. You're constantly evolving. Cybersecurity is a vast field, and it's an ever-learning field. Fabulous. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can I can totally see that, and it's that racing game, isn't it? Because it's the criminal, it's against criminals who are always going to be racing ahead. Okay, uh, let's think. What are your top three tips for personal cybersecurity? Let's let's do that. Okay. Useful for people. We've got educators listening. You know, what should they be doing? Top three tips: um, Look at revising their passwords. Um, don't be having short passwords. Have long passwords. Uh, unique, sorry. Unique long passwords, meaning don't be having the same password for a different account. What do you think? See, can I just interrupt you there? What do you think about the thing where, where you, you go to sign up to a new website or service or something, and it goes, yes, you can create a new you know username and, and password login, or you can use the Google slash Facebook slash whatever and just log in with those. What do you think of that? No. Uh, uh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, that, if that website or that account gets compromised, that person's got access to your uh, Facebook. Uh, it's a domino account. effect, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, you you can probably appreciate that Google and, and Facebook do take security seriously, but this account, this this unknown account that you're signing up to, how secure are they doing it? Are they storing your passwords in clear text? Ooh. You see, you've got that mindset, haven't you? Okay, anyway, so number one was passwords. Yeah, um, again, I would recommend looking at the NCSC guidelines because they recommend having choosing three random words and that will easily take you probably above 12 characters. You can even use a phrase that you might, like a long phrase or a long sentence and you might want to add some complexity. complexity uh, can I say the word? So that's ncsc.gov.uk if you have a look on there for password yeah. support password guidance yeah okay and number three no that's still number one passwords what? oh that's, yeah passwords is number one it's friday oh i shouldn't be saying that should i it's whatever day you are listening <laughs> right that was number one number two uh, number two is set up two-factor authentication now two-factor authentication is another support mechanism so basically if somebody for example knows if you how should i say it it's if I'm sitting on my laptop and I sign in to my uh, email, type in my email username and password, a notification will come through onto my phone saying, 
is this you access or deny and if it's me i'll obviously click the access button on my phone and then i'll get access to my email if it's not me i've got my phone there i click deny and whoever is trying to log into my email will not get access to it that's two protections there so that person won't get access to it plus it notifies me that somebody knows my email and password i need to change that mm-hmm. and i yeah. need to view the rest of my account so two-factor authentication wherever you can um implement. it should be compulsory shouldn't it yeah. you'd think they just build it in anyway yeah. sorry i keep interrupting you number, Are we on number three yet number three, yeah <laughs> um Keep your devices up to date. Um, I'm not just talking about uh, just the operating system of your device. So keep your operating system up to date. And also the individual apps that you have installed also. Keep them up to date. And I did say three. I'm going to extend it a bit because I think um, we, sh- we should. When you get emails and they're unknown, do not click links. If it's somebody that sent you an email and you don't know who it is, don't just click the link or download the link. That also goes towards um, text messages you you receive on your phone. If it's from HMRC in quotation. In but you know, mark. but we're going to click the link, right? One of us, we are definitely going to at some point click the link, aren't we? Try not. To. This is where the education. <laughs> try not to click the link. Um, and you know, it's another podcast. Yeah, if you click the link, um, don't be giving any of your details in there. Um, and this also goes towards phone calls because um, I just recently received a phone call from my network provider saying my router is causing issues on the internet and I was just like, okay, this person doesn't know who he's called. So, <laughs> oh, fabulous, I, love it. Yeah, I, I kept him off on the call for about 45 minutes. He's saying click on Google. There's some of those guys. There are some of those guys on YouTube, aren't they, that do that? Yeah, you can yeah. follow people that are, you know, scamming the scammers. Well, he was just very lucky that my second computer that I use um, wasn't working that day, or otherwise. Let's, let's just stop that conversation right Ooh, there. Oh, right, fine. Okay, fabulous. Well, listen, look, we're out of time, Abdullah. This has been amazing. We'll need to do this again. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so as always, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself, or your organization, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk. And if you have a question or topic you'd like me to cover on the podcast, don't forget to drop me an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Goodbye. See you guys. Bye.